We have a lot to cover today on the Weekly Kingdom Outlook. Let's go. Greetings, folks. Apostle Lewis here with you, and I am so glad. I have a lot of things to I want to talk about. We'll see how much I actually get to. Uh, first off, I want to talk about, hey, find me on Locals. I really, really want you to join me there. Go to thegatechurch.locals.com and set up a profile. Just join. It's free. Join. It's another. It's not really a social media as much as it's a platform for us to commun- have a community together, talk to each other. And go ahead and do that. I'd really appreciate that. Also, find me on lewisdcn.com. And, and something else that I want to let you know is that if you go on there, you'll find a link to Kingdom Revival Alliance. And if you're a minister and you're in ministry and you're looking for a uh, 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 an alliance, a, a team to be a part of, go check it out. And then you can always send me any questions you have. But go check it out at uh, KingdomRevivalAlliance.com. And if that's too long to remember, just go to LewisDCN.com. In the front homepage, you'll see a link there. Click on the image and it'll take you there. So we would would love to, uh, you know, see if it's a fit for you. And if there's anything I can do to help you uh, fulfill your uh, ministry would be a delight to me. All right. So, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about Reformation. Let's talk a little bit about... Uh, I believe the Reformation, number one, is getting us back to what the apostles were given. I, I, I don't think, you know, sometimes we think Reformation, we think in the, uh, like something brand new. And, and, you know, the church has had enough of the new stuff that's gotten so far away from the original stuff that, um, uh, you know, we make statements like God loves everybody and no one goes to hell. You got people now who believe no one goes to hell. Um, and I, I want you to understand that God loved creation, but that doesn't mean he's, uh, he loves everyone. Uh, everyone, we have things like everyone's a creation, everyone's a child of God. No scripture. Jesus even refuted that and said, some are the child of the devil, you know? And so in the reformation, what I believe is going to happen is, um, a, a, a re, um, awareness of the scriptures number one we're we're gonna uh we got to get back to what is truth and we've gotten so far off of it folks um everybody is pulled in 48 different directions um you know i just spent my you know i just spent some time here reading the word and um you know before i had glasses i could sit in the word all day with my, my eyes getting tired and i still they get a little bit tired today but um in that sense but Um, but, you know, we have this kind of, um, attitude today in the church that, you know, everything's okay. God loves us. And, um, I want you, uh, to know that, um, God doesn't like sin. Um, it's not how we're supposed to, uh, walk. Listen to this. I want to I want to just point you to some scripture in Colossians three, it says this: If then you were raised with Christ. Now, that's important for us to understand because being raised in Christ is your first resurrection. 
the, the first resurrection is when a unbeliever comes to Christ and is baptized and comes out of the water. That is considered your first resurrection in Christ. It's also considered your first death. And so it, it's, you have to understand, because that goes out throughout Scripture. Paul's going to use it. John's going to use it. It's going to come out later on Scripture as this unfolds. And so what people don't understand is that we've been raised. We've been raised as new beings in Christ. And, you know, when I, when I talk about the Salt Covenant, you've probably heard me mention it once or twice, the Salt Covenant is, is part of the covenant, the revelation of the Salt Covenant and all the covenants that uh, encompasses in the new covenant was so amazing to me that it's still to this day is something that um, I, I am fascinated with. The, um, how can I say this? The revelation uh, that I received, in, and I still, what's so funny is to this day, I still find myself... Um, uh, getting revelation into the salt covenant or finding some new uh, nugget with it. And it's something, that's how revelation works. I mean, you don't get revelation, you're done with it. It kind of just constantly unfolds. The word of God is the depth of this. Um, and this is just what's written. What's the, the depth of the spirit of God is so rich and so amazingly deep that I don't think that we um, fully comprehend um, that depth, you know, and and it's hard. It's like mind blowing deep. So it's it's something that I think that um, is a struggle in a way. So you know, one of the things that when we talk about um, um, like salt covenant, sodium chloride is salt. Now, in sodium chloride, sodium has one electron on its um, outer shell. Now, to be a stable atom, it needs to have eight electrons, which eight is the number of Christ. It needs to have eight electrons on its outer ring. I'm going to make some statements here that is going to be pretty mind-blowing to you. Now, uh, chloride has... Uh, seven out of on its outer ring, and neither of these. Now, seven is a number for complete, and and none of these, neither one of these, is stable. Okay, it, it, it's so. What happens when these two come together? That the uh, the one in sodium, the one electron, is jettisoned over to chloride, and it now creates eight in its outer ring, and in the next ring of the uh, of the electrons on sodium has eight in it. So now they both have eight, and they come together, and it makes what's called an ionic, an ionic bond. And what is an ionic bond? Let me just give you a. a Ionic bonds result from the transfer of electrons between atoms. If an atom has only a few electrons in the outer shell, it can achieve stability by donating these electrons to the atom that has an outer shell that is almost full. This is what happens, okay? Now, what's so interesting about understanding this is that they, when it becomes an ionic bond, you can't separate them again because 
it's just you can't, you know, like hydrogen chlor or um, H2O is hydrogen and oxygen. So hydrogen, you know, you see it like Mickey Mouse airs, right? H2O. So there's, you always see it like a bigger oxygen with two hydrogens on it. And it looks like Mickey Mouse airs, right? Well, you could separate those because they're not, it's not an ionic bond. They both come together to form water. But you could separate the oxygen from the uh, hydrogen. And that they do this when they make hydrogen-powered uh, machines. Do this. That's what they do. They separate these two, and then they introduce them back together. Well, what happens with sodium chloride is when you have an ionic bond, they become a new... Um, let me just read you some technical stuff of this. Since chlorine uh, uh, gained a negative charge electron, it now has more electrons than protons and has a net negative charge. Since sodium lost the electron, it now has more protons than electrons and so has a net positive charge. Charged uh, particles like sodium chloride have the transfer of the electrons are called ions. Specifically, positive charged ions are called uh, cations and negatively charged ions are called anions. Due to the po uh, opposite charge of the two ions, negative chloride and positive sodium, the two ions are attracted to each other in a form and form an ionic, ionic bond. The resulting compound is referred to as an ionic compound. Note that the ionic compounds have totally different properties than either of the atoms that make them up. Sodium is a highly reactive silver metal. Chlorine is a toxic green gas. Sodium chloride is a is table salt. The animation below, and this is in the thing I have here. What my point for you to understand is that we became a totally new creation in Christ, different than anything we were before Christ. And I also have this belief that Christ also became something also. In us, we have become part of his body. We have become part permanently part of the body of Christ through faith. It's really, really important for us to understand. Why? Because you know, we need to understand that in these hours and in these days, there's a there's gonna be everything that we have talked about is in play today. Holiness, righteousness, uh, grace, favor, all this stuff. And you're going to see the preaching again and the conviction again on people who are compromising that walk. Listen to this. Colossians 3. If you then are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Where's Christ? He's sitting at the right hand of God. What are you supposed to seek? To seek the things at the right hand of God. It's what we're supposed to do. All right? It says, uh, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetous, which is idolatry, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. See, folks, listen, 
there, there is a thing that really troubles me in the church and a lot of churches because they don't teach that sin is still evil, even for the Christian. They, they treat it like it's not an issue. And I have a real issue with that. Okay? But now you yourselves are to put off these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Who, who uh, created him. Where, where, uh, where there is neither, in other words, who created us, neither where there is neither <coughs> Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave to free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, listen, we are the elect of God, those who have come to Christ. We are the elect of God, holy and beloved. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful." Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wow. You know, I sometimes get in circles and I get with people and they think like, you know, that's too religious. That's too. Let me tell you why it's important. We're going to be tearing down through the harvest, through the salvation message, through, through preaching the gospel with signs, wonders, miracles, and healings. Bringing people unto the Lord. We're going to displace principalities and powers. But what we don't want to do is have an unholy move within the church that begins to give a place for Satan to be resting upon. Listen, listen, let me give you an understanding of something. All authority has been given to Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth. He's given Jesus all authority. Go make disciples. Okay? Matthew 28, 18, 19, 20. All right. So all authority has been given to Jesus. How does Satan get authority? And sometimes people say, well, he doesn't have authority. No, he does. How did he get authority again? Through our actions, through our mindsets, through our beliefs, through our what we do. In other words, Paul says that when you serve sin, sin becomes your master. That's dealing with demonic forces. Now becomes your master. You know what? When someone, when someone gives themselves a sin, you know what rules their day? How they can sin again. How they can fulfill their lust. How they can steal, cheat, all that stuff. That begins to fill them. They begin to come under that rulership and that um, that kind of mindset. It's very dangerous. Well, the church, you can have a bunch of people saved, right? And they're going, oh, the grace, the grace, the grace, the love of God. But they're not conducting themselves in manner. And you have this rulership that even still maintains over the city, over the culture, 
and 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 so we need to we're gonna that's gonna in the reformation that's gonna get broken free from how do you bring down strongholds you preach the gospel with power with signs with wonders and every time a new a new believer is made satan is displaced over their life because now jesus has become lord so when we think about pulling down strongholds we think about sitting in a prayer room saying i bind you i loose you come down you know all that stuff okay no what happens is there's a there's a switch of government over the person so when i was living for satan he was ruling my life couldn't stop jesus talking to me though couldn't stop the holy spirit pulling me and when I gave my life to Jesus, guess what happened? Satan was displaced, and now Jesus became the Lord, and he became uh, the one over my life. But if I get myself back to sin, and I've watched Christians do this, get themselves so far into sin again that they, number one, sometimes they even go and deny Christ, which is the most scary thing to me. But for a season, it seems like Satan is ruling over their life. Why? Because they are not abiding by the wisdom of Scripture. They're not abiding by what Scripture teaches us we're supposed to conduct ourselves. They, they're not thankful. They're not honoring. They're not loving. They don't forgive. They don't... Whatever. And so Satan has a right. When you believe a lie or when you reject truth, how do I reject truth? Well, if it's truth, why wouldn't you do it? That's really harsh for some people. I get it. People are like, well, that's harsh. Look, when I got saved, and it's been a while now, be 32 years in December. I I don't think I had a thought about abortion, a thought about homosexual. I didn't like homosexual. I wasn't homosexual, okay? But I know homosexuals. It wasn't like I didn't know them. I my one of my best supervisors in the FA, she was homosexual. She called me up about, I think it was 2015. She messaged me and said, she wanted me to know, since I prayed for her all the time, that she gave her life to Christ. Does that mean you can still be a homosexual? No, you can't. Let me ask you something, and I say this to people all the time. If a homosexual can keep their sin, and we call it love, then what can I have if I call it love? Can I have two women? Can I sit there and say, you know, I, I love my wife, but I love this girl over here too? Is that, that doesn't sound like that would work. No. You understand, like, our love, what we think is love, cannot supersede, as a Christian, we are to love God, love Jesus, love the Holy Spirit, and love his word first. It takes preeminence. It takes lordship over us. When I, when, when I started reading the word, I can tell you, my, my mindset started to change. I now I wasn't trying to think. What this is what people try to do. How am I supposed to think about this matter? That was not my approach. My approach was what did God say in the matter? And so I always had a saying for about the first ten years. People would come up to me. What does God say about this? I said, Well, what does Scripture say? And they would quote Scripture, and I go, Why are you asking? So there's your answer. He goes, Yeah, but what do you think? Is why do you care what I think when God said that? You know what I mean? Like, what do you? Why is it you care about my opinion? When you know what God said. And they look, they would look, some of them would look at me and go, huh. I said, look, God's already decided what he what what is righteous and what's not. He's already decided. Man was created for woman, woman for man. Okay? And sex is between a man and a woman in the context of their marriage vows, and that's it. 
Although everything else is sexual immorality. And, and people go, well, does God still love them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying God doesn't love them, but that's not the equation. We're not, God doesn't love us because I do what's right. So God doesn't hate, that God doesn't necessarily not love me because I do something wrong. My kids do something wrong. I don't stop loving them. It doesn't happen. It's really important. So in the Reformation, we're going to see, um, number one, the return to the apostles' doctrine. Not to the pastoral doctrine. See, I, I think that, you know, pastors have a very awesome place in the body because they so care about people in such a way I mean, I, I know really divine pastors, really called pastors, and man, they will, man, they just really pray all the time. They're, they're, and most of your pastors are out there serving the, you know, serving their hearts out, and they really need to be honored. But at the same time, what pastors sometimes feel is, um, they they will present the love of God even without ever. The wrath of God, let's say, you know. So you get you get some people who go, well, God loves us. So God, here's a statement: <laughs> God doesn't send anyone to hell. You make a choice. No, that's actually not true. The Bible doesn't sit there and say. The Bible says this: Revelation, the great white throne of judgment, chapter twenty, verse eleven. And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. So you have a book. What's the book? The books are the, the book of remembrance of what you do, the book of your conduct. Which is the, the second one is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the book. Now, when it's talking about the dead, it's talking about what Ephesians 2 says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And said, because you got to understand the language. Because remember, everyone's, everyone's died here. They're all before the throne of judgment. Okay? And the sea gave up their dead who were in it. The death in Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. Where were these dead people? In the In hell. Waiting for the white throne judgment. Now they were going to be judged according to all their works. And guess what? None of their works were the, the some like there's they were going to be judged for what they did. And they were judged, each one according to his works. The death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let me tell you something, folks. Hell is a real place, and the lake of fire is a really, really scary thing. Okay? And I, I want you to know that. I mean, I want you to understand. Because that makes to me, people go, well, that's just not a good image of God. Said, no, it's a great image of God. He's a, he, that's where we all deserve. And yet he reached out and called us by name. His love is that much more beautiful to me, that much more enriched to me, that much more powerful to me. Because he saved me. He saved my wife. He saved my children. He just saved, you know, my son's girlfriend. 
That makes it more rich to me. Not less rich. More rich. More rich to me because Christ. Because Christ himself called me by name. How do I repay him? I repay him by living a holy, pure life. I'm not flawless. I'm just saying that's how you repay him. And because I say that, that leads me to repentance. If I don't feel I've lived up, if I didn't meet that standard. I don't make, I don't make um, excuses for it. I want to be the best I can be for Jesus. I want to love hard. I want to forgive well. I want to live well. I want to be a great example for my children, for my wife, for my church, for my ministry. I want to help people. And when I fail that, there's something I know that, you know, is in God's design. Now, it doesn't mean, look, it doesn't mean I can help everybody. Sometimes I'm tired. I need to go take a nap, you know. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just, you know, I don't want to give cause for anyone to sit there and go, Lewis is immoral. Too many people are, you know, um, are dependent upon me. And I just would not want that at all whatsoever. All right. So that's part of the Reformation. It's because they continued in the Apostles' Doctrine. Why was it the Apostles' Doctrine? I want you to understand why it was the Apostles' Doctrine. I want to, I want to give you an insight into this. Because <clears throat> Jesus didn't meet with the multitudes and explain things to them. The, they, he met with the Apostles. If you understand the Gospels. Jesus spoke to parables to the masses, but to his disciples, especially his 12 apostles, he, they asked him questions. He explained the kingdom. So they were now sharing that, what he had taught them, what Jesus had taught the apostles in private. They were now sharing that doctrine with others. Do you understand that's where the apostles' doctrine was unfolding from. It was every time you see that Jesus met with them privately and the disciples came to him privately, and that's what they began to share immediately with the church. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, or healing, miracles, signs, wonders, righteousness, uh, putting away sin, uh, who we are in God, you know, all this stuff, Father's love, how to pray, all this stuff was now being shared. You getting it? I want you to understand that was the Apostles' Doctrine. We've gotten so far away from that, that love, God so loves us, he doesn't judge us, there's never a problem, there's never, you know, we're just because you prayed a prayer, you're going to, and then you get people go, well, you don't even have to pray a prayer. God loves us so much, everyone's going to heaven. That's not true. It's not true. May his word be true. May the word of God be true. Amen. Now, uh, we we you know we've been washed in the you know we were we were hard rocks, but we've been washed by God and He has smoothed out our edges a little bit. And we are, we're now like smooth stones versus the jagged, rough, mean guys we were maybe thirty years ago. You know, it's part of the process. You know, what's funny is I tell people I've got Bill's teachings when he first got to Bethel, and even though the truth is the same, Bill's 
teaching is different because back then he was trying to turn a ship. And and you can see that Bill doesn't have to, you know, Bill had to preach it hard back then. Hard. I mean, I've got some of, I, I actually have his first teaching somewhere of Bill's first teaching at um, Bethel. First series he did. And, uh, you know, he, he, it, it was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of work for what he did. So, well, look, I love you. Uh, I, I want to just speak a prayer over you and uh, wish you the best this week. Father, I thank you right now. Lord, help us walk according to your spirit. Help us to understand this word. Thank you for your righteousness, which is in your son, Jesus. And you have made us righteousness of God in him. Help us to walk out our life in the truth, in holiness and righteousness. And bring about your power through us. That we would see your signs, your wonders, your miracle and healings. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. God bless you, and you have a great day. Bye-bye.